Hello and welcome to a tale of two rivals. And I'm your host, Dave FF underscore Spaceman Wright. And I am joined by Who's the host? I don't think so, David. That's right, I'm back, everybody. Todd FF Banterman Foster. Back on the mic, representing some rings up in here. Did you miss me, David? <laughs> Todd, you know what? It's it's definitely not as fun without you hosting. Um, I have a lot of respect for what you do now after taking over your your chair for a minute. But it's good to have you back. Good to have the crew back together. You know, I got a um, I got a bachelor's degree in journalism, and this is the most I ever use with it. So um, you know, it's a lot of student debt that I use for something I don't get paid for. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. So, yeah, no, I, I missed it, man. I had some stuff going up in life. You know, it happens to everybody. It was fun getting to watch, uh, to listen to you and Sean do everything. Um, I want to make something clear here, Dave, that during that show, you kept referencing Good Job Gentlemen for the 504 joke. I had nothing to do with it, which, <laughs> though it was absolutely epic. So, like, have I been part of it? Would I have been proud? Yes, but I was not part of it. It was epic. An epic <laughs> joke. Like, that should have been something that was on, like, an episode of The League. It was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, but I also enjoyed you guys reading the text to make sure that you referenced my championships and you guys clearly are sick of me saying that, so I'm just going to say it more. So, um, <laughs> it's a good time. But, no, it was great. I mean, you guys did a really nice job breaking things down and, um, you know, so many numbers. Just lots and lots of numbers. So, but, um, I should yeah. say, Todd, before we get into anything else, I should say happy birthday to you, sir. Thank you. Happy thank you. Birthday. It's going to be twenty-one. Yes, I. Uh, I'm pretty sure every bar I've been to in America has commented on my birthday. Um, it's uh, it's been a good time. I've actually had many people reference that. I also share a birthday with Luke Kinkley. I did not know that until today. Um, and everyone likes to remind me that I have the same birthday as Adolf Hitler. So yeah, that's it. That that's a fun one. Um, but yeah, man, no, it was fun. We, uh, we had spent, we had a good day full of food and social distancing and my son had a good time. We, we played outside the whole time and, uh, went back to my old stomping grounds at UMass Amherst and, um, yeah, it was fun, man. It was, uh, it was nice. Like we just walked around this, a, a vacant campus, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was cool just because it was just something to get out and do and be different. And, you know, in these times you got to find ways to. Be creative to keep your sanity while also keeping safe. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I had a great time, you know? Um, but, yeah, so, Dave, should we should we tell the people what we're in for today? Todd, or, I, want, I want you, because I missed your hosting, I want you to explain what we're doing today. Uh, well, actually, you know, we should also make sure is that uh, Dave and I are both going to be on live streams on Thursday. We should probably let the That's people know that. true. Yes, why don't you tell us what yours is going to be, Todd? Yeah, so I'm going to be joining the guys at um, Dynasty... Fantasy uh, Football Digest, and um, I'm going to be joining by uh, the crew there. We're going to be going live. Uh, you can find our stream on Twitter if you go to my handle at ff underscore banterman. So uh, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be my first stream. Um, it's kind of this is like watching this draft makes me. This is exactly the kind of thing I've ever wanted to do. It's just like sit there live and just banter with a bunch of people while people watch our conversation while talking about the draft. Like I've wanted to do this our whole life. Actually, I have a funny story about the draft, Dave. Tell right? me, Todd. Tell me. I so, know you've missed talking on the microphone. It's your yeah. birthday. I'll let you get a little in. So, 
I, I can't remember the year, but I was watching the draft at our old residence. We, we were actually working together at the time, and it was a Saturday, and this is when the, the draft was actually on a Saturday. So we were watching with your old uh, roommate, Tanucci. It was me, just me and Tanucci <laughs> watching at the residency. And the first nine picks... He asked me who it was going to be, and I was right for the first nine picks. And I didn't skip a beat. I knew exactly who it was going to be, right? He goes to me, okay, pick 10. This one should be easy for you. I'm like, dude, I have no clue who's picking, <laughs> who's going to go at 10. Who do you think was picking at 10? The Patriots. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, Is like, it impressive that I knew that it was, let me guess, Jared Mayo who would blew everyone out of the water? Yep. Yeah, and that was the first time I actually knew Jeremio was. And like, you know, like I watched his highlight film, and I was like, "Ooh, this looks good." I, and Bill, I trust, you know. But like, it was so funny. Like, I'm a pretty knowledgeable football fan. Knock off the first nine picks. That tenth one, I was like, "I don't know, man. I'm a Pats fan. I know better than to make a prediction here." So, and that was a while ago, dude. And that was times, yeah. Times have not changed. But anyways, where, where can people find you on Thursday? So I'm joining the Dynasty Theory Fantasy Football Show. That's uh, hosted by um, John Bauer, Dino MC on Twitter, and then also FF Coach Dan. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. They, uh, I had a did a mock, I did a mock draft with uh, John Bauer over for the Monocle Dynasty Show, and he asked me if I could join him, and I'll be on at I believe 9:30 for those guys. So it'll be a lot of fun. I have a I. Um, I'm trying not to have any pre-rehearsed jokes, Todd, but I have talked to my tailor what I will be wearing on this live stream to make sure I represent who my sponsors are and everything like that. So, by your tailor, by your tailor, you wash your Scott Fishbowl shirt. Todd, I don't want to. I can't use jokes more than once. Okay, that's a good point. I haven't thought about what I'm wearing. I'll probably, I'll probably just have to rock the the red Brady authentic. You know, I know, I know he's gone, but. You know, that, that jersey, the reason I got that jersey is because it's a retro, you know? So I'll still wear Brady gone, jerseys forever, Todd. I don't well, care. But but I like the I like the throwback for when, like, he's gone. It's still a throwback. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's just, oh, just a little, little extra tip of the hat to the, the days that were, you know? So, anyways, so let's get into it, everybody. So Dave and I clearly miss each other. So, you know, let's just get to the topic at hand. So it's upon us, everyone. It is 420. And soon, the NFL draft will begin. We've all been starved for sports. It's been gone. An actual sporting event is about to happen. Now, granted, if sports were alive or not, the last dance I would have been losing my mind over for anyways. But particularly since sports haven't happened for over a month, I was like glued to it like it was the NBA actual finals. You know? The, the marble racing hasn't done it for you, Todd? No, marble racing is not done for me. So, <laughs> um... So, anyway, so what Dave and I decided to do was, I'm like, we've done mocks before, we've done early mocks, so this is like our last mock, but what we're going to do is we're going to mock the the two rounds, and then we're going to give two sweepers. Um, So, the way we did the mock was, because we didn't have a chance to get 12 guys together, we took the guys from Dynasty League Football, there's, there was seven rankers on their, their fantasy rankings. The rookie ADP. The rookie, oh, the rookie yeah, rankings, sorry. For the rookie rankings. So we took them. Now, they're not super flex, so we tried to do our best to kind of decipher 
where guys had certain QBs and like where they might have picked them. So by no means did any of these guys make picks except for Dave and myself. But <laughs> we just wanted to be able to take their rankings and put it up against what other people might be thinking. So there might be some prizes and guys might not make those picks where might where they might instead of traded back, but those are where guys like people liked certain people, right? So Dave and I took control of two different teams. So we each had a pick within the first six picks and the last six picks. So, and we went through the, so we went through two rounds just based off the rankings and we, but we actually made picks for ourselves. So, um, Dave, you want to dive in and tell them the first pick? Yeah. So Todd, with the 101 in the, a tale of two rivals mock draft, uh, Dan, Dan Mailer went with Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not even sure. Tagovailoa. I don't know. I tried. Tagovailoa. Let's say that. You got Tango, it. No, calls... Tagovailoa. Tango, tag, Tua Tagovailoa. There we go. It, the guy's name's Tua. Everyone calls him Tua. Whatever. Right? I feel like I'm not representing uh, the Dynasty Dummies very well. Uh, Zach Reed's son taught me how, or did a drop on the show about how to pronounce it. Nice. I didn't do it right. Uh, I'm very disappointed <laughs> that I didn't represent... The, the Dynasty Dummies very well and how to pronounce it. I should have practiced, but I actually wasn't prepared to say to his name today. So I'm sorry, I, Zach and Zach's son. I love that Zach's son did a drop on that. All right, man. So let's get into um, I don't agree with this pick. Oh, I mean, so, okay, yeah. So what are your thoughts, Todd? Um, I don't agree with this pick. I know if we look at the rankings on a lot of these guys, a lot of them had Tua over Joe Burrow. Now, I get it. Turo, Tua before Burrow blew up this year was obviously the 101. So the only reason Burrow jumped over everybody is this one huge historical season. That one sample size. But it's the greatest passing season in the history of football. All right? And, excuse me, of college football. I mean, the guy's passing efficiency was 202. That's nuts, right? Now, number two was Tua, I know. But at the same time, what I'm saying is, is like, he's healthy? And... The guy literally did not show anything that he could not do in a football field. Now, if two was able to be healthy and stay on a football field and start for 10-plus years in the league, which I have high doubts for, it's very easy to be better than Joe Burrow. That's a huge if, man. Like, the, the question marks with his health are insane. Now, would I let him go out of the first four picks? Heck no. But I'm not taking over Joe Burrow. Not by any means. Now, after what Joe Burrow did this year, and anybody who wants to make the argument about Burrow having all that talent around him, who's Tua playing with a JV team? You know? So, like, to me, it, it's it's got to be Burrow. So the reason that I don't think you really mentioned why Burrow... So I've actually been struggling with this. I've been going back and forth. I had Burrow there for a very long time. And I, actually, this morning, I woke up and I said, I think I'm going to... I'm moving Tua ahead. I am not concerned about... <laughs> Woke up this morning and just realized. No, no. It had been, been faster. Back of my mind, and I was thinking about Superflex rankings, and then I was, you know, I'm not worried about Tua's health. I'm not a doctor. So, and I don't believe in all this speculation from doctors on the internet either. They're not seeing these records. They don't know what they're, I mean, yeah, they have some insight, but they don't, they're not Tua's doctor. They don't know. If Tua's doctor's saying you can go out and play, if you're approved to go play football, I'm going to trust Tua's doctors. And Tua's going to be playing football, and Tua's my number one. He had... It, his passing efficiency is amazing, like you said. But also, the only reason why I even this was a question for me is that Joe Burrow has a little bit of that rushing upside. Not, I mean, he's not like a great yep. rusher. Yep. But that is important. And Tua, people might 
stereotype him as a rushing quarterback, but he doesn't really rush very much, Todd. No, he's more of a Russell Wilson. So, well, early Russell Wilson rushed a lot more. Uh, but That's so true. I, That's true. So, Tua, I just really like Tua as a passer. Uh, I I just really like Tua as a passer. I, I love the efficiency, and, I, and you know how I am. I love those kind of stats. I'm not necessarily a raw numbers kind of guy, and Bro had really great raw numbers. He was efficient, too, but... I'm a tool He's guy. The most of, he had the most of passing efficiencies, the most efficient passing season in the history of football, Dave. Yep. Hey, hey, he did. But I and other metrics like uh adjusted completion percentage and other uh and other advanced metrics for QBs, Tua is very well liked. Tua is very well liked. I like how Tua reads the field. And I, you know, I what can I say to and, and I'm not an expert. As you know, I have had a bad luck with QBs lately, so yeah. I'm going with Tua. He's my guy. Stick to the process, Tua. So let's put it this way. Here, here's my whole disclaimer about Tua. I don't think the the health piece is literally what sways everything for me, 100%. But if you put Tua and Burrow right next to each other, it's 1A, 1B, right? And if you ask me on different days, if they're both healthy, who would I like more? I probably would go Tua if it wasn't for the injury that was a bad injury, you know? Todd, you remember how much you hated John or uh, Nick Chubb's injury? And he yeah, yeah, hasn't yeah, even yeah, sniffed. Yeah. Hasn't sniffed. Hasn't sniffed it. That was fair, and, we, and you want to say well, but you want to say that Tua well, had a catastrophic injury too. Well, Nick Chubb's knee injury was gruesome as well. That's true. But my whole thing about it is, is like when you have those two guys so close together, and then when Burrow's actually putting up those better raw numbers. So to me, it's like it gives the edge there for me. But the reason why also with Tua with the, with the health pieces, there's just two studs that like would make me think about Tua and the risks behind it. You know what I mean? And, and that would and that'd be that would be Jonathan Taylor and uh, uh, C.D. Lamb, you know. And then after that, it'd be like, it'd be, that, so that's where two is for me. Would I be possibly wrong about that? Yeah, but the three guys that I'm putting over him, I feel very confident that they're safe where they are, you know. And it would be disingenuous for us to have a conversation about Joe Burrow too, because we both like I like Joe Burrow, Todd. Obviously, if he's, uh, he's I, struggling. Yeah. So we both like both these quarterbacks, but we haven't mentioned yet that Joe Burrow was more of a one seat. He did this in mostly one season. Yep. The, historically, QBs that have that a big breakout year. Not that and Burrow had an okay year last year. It's not like he, he just did. came out of nowhere. He did. But QBs that come out of nowhere at a later age in their college career, those are red flags. Now, so I I, I would call, I go ahead go ahead. And I just want to say, but. I can overlook that because there's a lot of reasons why. That, and I'm sure every quarterback who came out late and did that, there's reasons why. But for Joe Burrow in particular, he had the hand injury when it looked like he was just about to take over the job at Ohio State. Yeah. And, he, you know, Joe Burrow had extreme competition. So there's a lot of factors here why you can say why Joe Burrow broke out late. I And I and it's not the end-all, be-all, but just like how for you in the back of your mind, the injury thing sways it for you, in the yeah. back of my mind for me, the one-year wonder thing for Joe Burrow sways a little bit for me. So I think what I love about Burrow is is the fact that I, I do – the NFL pedigree has something to say with that. So the guy's grown up around the game and understands what it means. And his dad was was a champ with the, with the Chiefs, you know. But for me, the thing that makes the show is that the guy – there's a so if you think about like what QB said, he was not a low-ranked QB coming out of high school. He had a lot of like – he had offers, you know, and then things didn't open up at first. When this guy got his opportunity, he took it and then he kept improving. Like those are the kind of things that like when I look at a guy that could have been an afterthought in his pro in his college career 
and then went on to put on the best passing performance in the history of college football, that's special to me. You know what I mean? That goes beyond metrics and something. There's something intangible in there that I like in my quarterback. And to me, he just looks like a super tough, rugged, hard-nosed kind of player. And so is Tua, for the record. All right? Coming but, back from that ankle injury like that and gunning out. I mean, he shouldn't have been let out on the field, but to do that says yeah, at least something. 100%. But because I don't really understand Tua's health, because, granted, I'm not a doctor either. That also makes me understand why I don't understand the extent of it as much. You know what I mean? So I respect both of those guys to no end, but I would easily take Burrow over Tua given health and what he just did last year. You know? I think it should be, we should highlight, we, mind you, we've probably talked 10 minutes on these QBs to start with. I think it's a fair topic to talk uh, about. No, no, I do. And we haven't talked about QBs a lot lately. So, no, I, I, no and I, I really enjoyed this conversation, but we should highlight for people who are listening that this is where our strategies diverge a little bit. You yep. have a little bit more injury skepticism, where I have a little more injury optimism. I think that's just a, yep. a, a, that's, a really that is good way to put it. That's 100% true. That's 100% true. Yep. Like the whole oh my god the early the earlier episodes we talked about whether the word injury pro like existed man we have to have to find that clip. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, that 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 probably the last time I got on the mic was that point. But um yeah so anyways so let's move on so anyways so we had um two at one hundred one Joe Burrow uh so it was Jeff Haverlack was so he would have had Burrow at one hundred two so then at one hundred three would have been Ken Kelly and Ken Kelly breaks Dave's heart. And it takes Jonathan Taylor. Oh, so I will say, before we start talking about Jonathan Taylor, Todd, I would have had Jonathan Taylor at 101 over both quarterbacks, which I feel is a little contrarian. It's gaining a little steam right now. But I've, from early on in this rookie process, Todd, I think uh, Jonathan Taylor is just a special player. I think he, I've heard a lot of people comping him to Ezekiel Elliott lately, and that's been my comp, at least from a metrics point of view and from yep. an athleticism point of view. So I really think, and just imagine what early Zeke did for dynasty teams. He, early Zeke was going in the top, in the first round of startups, wasn't he? Yep, 100%. So, and while Jonathan Taylor is going uh, anywhere in the second to third round, some, I actually was in a mock where he went early in the second round, which I was shocked by. But so it's just, it's funny to see Jonathan Taylor's team be, um, building up. But before I go any further about Jonathan Taylor, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor, Todd? So my thoughts on Jonathan Taylor is he is probably the okay outside of superflex because i think like when you talk about running backs cute and, and running backs and wide receivers you think about outside of superflex terms for safe he's the second safest player for me i think cd lamb is the safest player for me in the whole and in, in, in all the draft now i could not doubt not hold it against anybody for taking jonathan taylor 101 in any format because Running backs, particularly rookies, taking them early and taking advantage of that position, it's 100% a sound strategy, and I understand it. And Jonathan Taylor is possibly the best prospect we've seen since Zeke Elliott, no doubt in my mind. All right? Um, no, actually, Shaq Barkley. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, it took me a second to just overlook over that. You put Zeke in my I, head. I was, I was believing you, Todd. It sounded, you were so eloquent, I wasn't going to yeah. stop you. Barkley was better than both of them. But besides that, so, um, yeah, so, um, so I, I love the idea of somebody taking Taylor. Now, the thing about Taylor that's interesting is, is that if you look at a lot of mocks for the actual draft, he's all over the map. 
You know, he might not even be like the third or fourth back taken in some situations, which is insane. From an me. NFL point of view, you mean? Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think that would with Jonathan Taylor, just based off of talent and like as a complete runner, there's there's he's by far the best the best athlete, the most accomplished, the most complete running back. Now, can I can I interrupt real quick, Todd? Yeah, go ahead. Evan Silva on JJ Zacharyson's late round podcast said it pretty well that he thinks that fantasy players are a lot higher. It appears to be a lot higher than the NFL on Jonathan Taylor for a lot of different reasons because. But it appears that people, they're really discounting the idea that he's coming out of Washington and he's in a, in a little bit of a system back. So that's what he was saying. I just want to add that as... as to, you as mean coming out of Wisconsin? What did I say? Washington? Yes, Washington. I meant Wisconsin. Sorry. Okay. Like Melvin yeah, yeah. Gordon and you know how... It, and they have a history of running backs, a, run, a run-oriented system with good offensive lines. And I mean, I can understand why NFL teams are saying that, but I also think who knows how much is smoke and mirrors in the NFL at this time yeah. of year. Well, I also... Yeah, that's another thing too. I, I also think that... You know, whatever the NFL is, the trends like maybe some people are worried about how much tread he's got on those tires. I mean, the guy was worked yep, that in college. Was, yeah, yep. Guy was he didn't deal with injury. He he was state was uh, was able to withstand with yep. hold or withstand that workload. So that was yep. impressive. Yeah. So I mean, I I if there is a back I'm taking, I'm taking top. I'm taking Taylor, no doubt. Until after the draft, that could easily change my mind with Swift possibly. Depending on landing spot, I could easily see Swift jumping over Taylor. But pre-draft, yeah, I could see people being highest on Taylor. Now, in Superflex, I I do have him over Tua, but I don't have him over Burrow. So, um, yeah, so I I don't hate anybody thinking about that as a one-on-one because that just goes with your draft strategy, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, and finding a running back that can start, yeah, I mean, rookie, going for, like, the best rookies, it's a sound strategy. There's, there's a lot of... You guys do all these studies on it. It's pretty obvious. So anyway. it's it's just interesting to me too, like how how productive it was, how the size, speed specimen, and he started to add a little bit of receiving out of the backfield, not like as a route runner yeah. or anything, but dump offs out of the backfield a little bit. So it's just interesting to see how Jonathan Taylor be, and he and he did all this. So he's one of the best running backs in college history as far as a production standpoint. Yep. He only did it in three 100%. seasons. In three seasons, where all these other backs did it in four. So it's just been a special player. He's electric to watch when I've just seen highlight clips. Of course, everyone is in highlight clips, but it's just been fun. Right. And he's, to me, he's a, could be a, just, a, he could change your roster. He really could. If uh, compared to maybe you had to wait a couple of years for one of these QBs to develop. Oh, yeah. I am, uh, sorry. I'm, I'm still looking at my draft pick at 105. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> All right. So am I up, Todd, at 104? Unless you have anything else you want to say about Jonathan Taylor. No, he's sick. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, at 104, I went with DeAndre Swift, and I, I really like DeAndre Swift. I have to keep reminding myself when I start to wonder about, oh, man, he didn't produce it quite like he did. Why didn't he get more work in college? That's just how Georgia does it in, at Georgia. They they share the workload. They they actually uh, pitch that to recruits that they won't use you up in college to so be nice and fresh when you get to the NFL. And I just love DeAndre Swift as an all-purpose running back. He can catch. He's actually probably more – I think he might be more a – threat as a receiver than a runner but yeah exactly um, especially in fantasy that can be really helpful yep I, i'm just i'm a little bit more worried about you know, the i it's just the yin and yang of oh i want someone who can just be you know 20 carries a game to compared to a guy who might only get 12 to 15 touches a game you know it's just who do i want early on and i actually have 
and I, I just did this recently in the last week or so, I have moved DeAndre Swift also ahead of the quarterbacks. I think he's that good of a prospect. Uh, he's that dynamic as an athlete. He's he he, he we were talking about uh, running routes. He can actually run routes as a runner. Yeah. And I really like DeAndre Swift. And are are you saying route running matters? Yeah, for running backs, I think it's just an added element when oh, you're considering it a ton. And okay, you know, okay, yeah, that's okay. Just checking, yeah. just checking. Because the last show we were on together, you you were telling me how route running doesn't matter. For okay, so. so for a wide receiver, I'm saying route running might be. As I'm not sure how many studies have been to say, oh, this player really good route runner. How that matters, i.e., Riley Ridley. Hmm. Whereas for a running back, it adds another opportunity to receive targets when you can actually run routes. So you're not just getting dump offs out the backfield. If you're actually being lined up and schemed for routes, that's an extra, like, a level of possible opportunity. So the best way to judge route running is uh, watch the games and watch how they set up cornerbacks. So, um, yeah. But anyways, I, I love Swift, dude. I love Swift. Um, I think that if you're thinking about a guy, like, out of all the running backs, I think that you could just place in a system and he'll probably be a great fit is probably Swift. You know, I think for Taylor is more of a, you know, he's he, he's more of a traditional back where I think like, you know, Swift fits better into like what the modern NFL is becoming. You know what I mean? Where he, I think that his height, like you said, his upside is more as a receiver, right, than as a runner, you know, but he's also a fantastic runner. I think my closest comp to Swift would be Kamara, you know. That's a good comp. Yeah. So like, and if you put him and so, like, essentially, you're talking about Taylor, who'd be Zeke, and you're talking about, you know, uh, Swift as Kamara, you know. Either way, you're in a pretty good situation, you know. So, for me, what comes out of this draft with the landing spot and the draft capital means a lot to me. Actually, draft capital, these two, doesn't mean that much. I think it's really landing spot. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I love listening to you argue against yourself here, Todd. Yeah, it just took me a second. I was like, <laughs> I was like draft capital? I go... No, no, no. If they get their shot, they'll be fine. No, so it just really depends on, like, where they land. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, actually, I'll, I'll save my point for, for the next one. Uh, I'll, I'll make my point about Swift and Taylor. If they land here, too, I'd be very upset. Right? From from a rumbling standpoint, at times from certain mock drafts I've, I've read or people talking on Twitter or wherever, it does appear that the NFL might be slightly higher on DeAndre Swift than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but I think that's always been it, too. I, I yeah. think that, um, you know, I don't think that – I think Taylor's has a lot more wear and tear. I think that Swift showed more versatility. I think Swift on tape looks like more of a – It's I don't know how to say it. He's more of a fluid athlete, you know what I mean, where he's be able to make, like, quicker cuts. and like, Jonathan Taylor's a sledgehammer, the, you know, right. whereas – He's, he's more of a – He's more of an explosion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where Swift is a technician. Yeah, okay. I, I get what you're saying. All right, yeah. So, like, so, like, I feel like that was, so like, just off of that, like, you know, that old kind of scout kind of a thing, like, I feel like they could see him fitting in, like, being more of a game-breaker than Taylor, which I don't necessarily think is true, but I could definitely see why people see him fitting in the systems in more ways. You know what I mean? So, so um, four picks in, Todd. Half an, almost half an hour. I think it's time. <laughs> I, and I know we have to save at least half an hour for your next pick here. So what's your next pick? <laughs> uh, at 105, I get C.D. Lamb, um, and I could not be happier. So if you want to talk about people going rogue, Dave talks about like putting like Jonathan Taylor as a 101 uh, overall on Superflex. I have C.D. Lamb number two, and um, I he's my favorite wide receiver um, 
prospect, like, ever, honestly. Like, I just really look at C.D. Lamb, and I think he's just a complete wide receiver. I think he can do anything you could ever want on the football field. He's even a fantastic blocker. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like what he offers from a fantasy standpoint and what he offers to the actual football standpoint, I think that he's going to get into a situation. Now, the two things I want to think that were pretty funny were, so my love of him found no bounds, but apparently player profilers comp of him was Jerry Rice, which <laughs> really like kind of gave me some sort of affirmation that I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm high on that guy. I mean, granted, he just compared him to the GOAT, but at the same time, it's like, it was funny. But so anyway, so I was doing a, um, for the live stream, I decided to do a mock for myself and I was mocking it out. And the pick that made the most sense for him to fall to would be 11 with the Jets. And I immediately texted you and Sean just being like, the succubus, man. <laughs> the, the succubus of Adam The succubus. Please. Hashtag succubus. I'm like, like, I don't see how I could be okay and still feel that way about him if he landed to the succubus. You know what I mean? So outside of that team, I would be very happy. So the other thing, too, is like, so here's my thing about C.D. Lamb. He kind of goes against the way I think about things. Where I always say that if you're thinking beyond three to five years, you're thinking way, way too far past. You know what I mean? Especially in Dynasty. Because you can always find ways within that time frame to get yourself back in a position, right? To be competitive. But for him, I just look at him and I just, I just have a really good feeling that he's a guy that I'm going to be really interested in watching play for a decade. You know? And... I just think that he has the talent to be one of the to be one of the greats. So to me, like that's a guy that I'm willing to bank my name on and talk a lot of trash about and take a little earlier. So um, with that said, I do not think I'm going to get him at 106 in our actual draft, and that's going to pain me. But um, yeah, so CD Lamb there at 105, no doubt. So 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 CD Lamb, CD Lamb, Todd. Oh, sorry. Actually, no. Go ahead. Say CD Lamb. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Go ahead. Yeah, so I have a couple questions for you too, but I just want to say while you were talking about CD Lamb, when you said I have CD Lamb at two, and I just the way you inflected your voice made me smile. So it's good hearing you in your element there talk about your boy CD Lamb. <laughs> uh, that's all I had to say. What's your question for me, Todd? Okay, so I obviously mock CD Lamb to the Jets, right? Yep. What if Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift goes to the Jets at, at goes to the Jets? <sighs> how 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 does that make you feel? It makes like, me feel you better not be rapping with uh, with Le'Veon Bell late at night. That's what I'm saying. But uh, I just you, think it's it's that and why my thought is why is are the Jets who've already invested a ton of money in the running back position are they investing in heavy high draft capital running back? So just the succubus. No, I know, and I'm just saying stop it, stop it. I don't want to cry on air again like I did <laughs> the last couple weeks. Okay, I'm tired of crying on air, but leaving the succubus out of the running backs. I'm already afraid of the running back or of the wide receivers. I haven't even thought of the idea that succubus could hit the running backs. And now I'm, I'm gonna have trouble sleeping at night now, Todd. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I'm sorry, David. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to think that like whoever the Jets pick gets an automatic five step like five shot drop, and then I actually start thinking about should go lower, you know. But um, all right, so let's I have a question. So I have a question for you about CD or CD Lamb. Yep. I was listening to a podcast say on Rotoviz, their Rotoviz podcast, and Matthew Freeman was talking about. He was describing why he has CD Lamb at two and not one, and he said that the way CD Lamb plays, how he's kind of a bully in the way he attacks the ball, and mm-hmm. 
you know, how he's just physical. He's a physical wide receiver, but his size is only 198 pounds, Todd, and he's actually a little svelte. Uh, does that worry you at all that maybe he won't be able to do that again? Not, not mind you, he did it against a very good competition in the NCAA, but are you worried that that gameplay might lead to injuries or might not be able to work against better, older, NFL-talented corners and defenders? So, okay, that's actually a good point. So, one, he went. He came in at a 180 yep. when he came into college. So He's he worked had, very hard to get to where he is, too. He's done a really at, good job changing his body. He, he went up 18 pounds, all muscle. And if you look at his frame, there's plenty more to go. All right? So, he could easily fill out. Now, here's a guy I'll explain to you. Steve Smith, the good one. All right? Uh, my bad. Steve Smith, who played for the Giants, actually was a good player, but no, wasn't a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so, all right? I, was, I was trying to think of some kind of joke to say there, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I felt kind of bad. Like, they both were good. But the Hall of Fame level for the Panthers, okay? That guy bullied the crap out of people as a smaller mm-hmm. guy, all right? But and he was, had now, a higher BMI. He was thicker, stronger. Sure. But my whole point is that, like, I also think that Lamb will fill out a little bit more. But I also don't think that he's necessarily a bully. I think that he's a very aggressive player, and he's very physical. So I don't think that he can be bullied. You know what I mean? Okay. So I think that his competitiveness and the way that he loves to play football, that's something that I love. When you watch guys that are more fluid and flow, C.D. Lamb is going to go in there. He's a better athlete than most of those guys that are like that, too. And he's going to want to fight. Like, my favorite highlight of C.D. Lamb is him throwing two crack blocks on a run. And I just said to myself, that's a guy who just wants to freaking play football. How, how many fantasy points is that that run block? How, was, how many fantasy points? That's about 100 in my heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my, no, but my point is, is, like, there are certain things that are intangible about players that I do like. Like, those are the kind of guys that also – so think about some of the best players that have ever played, man. Like, T.O., Randy Moss, Right. Those are guys that had chips on their shoulder that played with a certain kind of edge. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that you also want to be able to see that, like, come out of the draft like that. You know what I mean? So, I like that. I like that in a football player. Does it worry no, me about, in, about injuries? No, because that'd just be, like, predicting something that hasn't happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no, no and history. And I wasn't worried from an – I was more worried maybe that style of gameplay at that size wouldn't translate. I'm not really worried about the injury part, but – and I'm not I, even saying I, I, I believe think, that. I, I just think it's an a, interesting. I think it's a lame analysis to say that like a guy could get hurt because he plays physical. No. It's no, I don't football. think. I don't think he's. I don't think that was the major takeaway. The major takeaway okay. is that you can't physic physicality wise where he could end yeah. up, he could impose himself against it, lesser competition. It takes he away a bigger part of his game. I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I was saying, and I, that does worry me a little bit. I still love CD. He's still my CD. He's still my wide receiver one in this class. Yep. It just for me, it the idea that he can be a top wide receiver one in this class might be in jeopardy. Whereas, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't think CeeDee Lamb's an amazing athlete. He has okay testing numbers, requisite testing numbers. Yeah. But he's not off the charts. Same with DeAndre Hopkins. He wasn't off the charts, but DeAndre Hopkins is a little bit bigger. So we're going to have to have some, like you said, and and, and CeeDee's a little bit younger, so we're going to have to project that he can fill a little bit more. And, and I right. think he can do that. And, you know, he's that kind of gamer where he's, I he says, if I have to do this to win, I'm going to do it. And who know, you know how the training routine yeah. is in the, uh, if he gets, you know, he gets on the uh, the Watt brothers uh, training routine. He'll he'll put on plenty of weight. So, and, I, and, and he's clearly <clears throat> shown as the kind of guy that will put the work in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And there's there, there's there's literally no red flag you can put on him except something speculative. You know what I mean? That that's my thing. You can speculate the problems. You you don't. They're not defined. You know what I mean? Well, isn't so, that like, what film analysis is in general? But anyway. So, <clears throat> um, but. <laughs> 
no. So I just right. to give my Wait. quick CD take, Todd, right. is that he, from an analytical standpoint, he is elite from a, a average uh, yards per scrimmage, yeah. yards per yards or scrimmage yards per team play. He has everything uh, that you want as far as production is concerned. He has requisite athleticism. I really like CD Lamb, and yep. I just unfortunately for me, I value the running backs the way I like to build my team yeah. a little bit. And so I go running backs here. But anyway, I love CeeDee Lamb. Next pick, Todd. All right. Jalen Rager went to 106 to to Ray G, Ray Garvin. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna let you talk about here. So do you think this is too early for Rager? Uh yeah, I would not take Ray Rager over the the other two running backs that are on the board. Quick disclaimer, uh, least... this is based off of rankings. Yeah. We're not gonna say that Ray would make this pick. Yeah, I, have a feeling like, I have a feeling like Ray would want to trade down or Ray would take one of the running backs here, but we're yep. just going to go by their rankings. And what yep. I love about Rager, and I and I was actually listening to a couple pods today of people that I really respect, and they were a little bit more down on him than I was expecting, especially more analytical guys. And what I really like about Rager is is that the way he checks, yeah, he has a lot of athleticism, and, and too, I'm not going to take too much heart in his, his pro day numbers that supposedly came out that he was just – he just blazed at, but who knows, you know how that, those pro days with stopwatches can go. But what I like about Rager is that he did produce with poor quarterback play. And I just really like at a young age and he's got a great build and the way he t- attacks the ball. It just really excites me from a player. So he's my wide receiver. He's, he's in my first tier. I'm still trying to hash out my wide receiver rankings before the draft after doing a little bit deeper dive, but I'm really struggling between Judy and Rager right now. I, I really like Rager's mentality. I like his athleticism. I like the way he – I like his speed, and I think that really translates to the NFL. Whereas – and I like Judy too. So I, I can't fault Rager being Ray's two, uh, wide receiver two here. I just wouldn't have done it this early. No, I don't either, and I don't think Ray would have either. I just think that, like, exactly what you said, he would have traded back. I, I, I'm I not as high on Rager as everybody. Um, I mean – the, the Rager hype did get him over Jefferson and Ruggs for me, and Higgins for that matter. Uh, I did do a dive, and I like you know I became higher on him. I still think there's a significant gap between him and Judy. Now, the aggressiveness and stuff like that, like Jalen Rager reminds me a lot of Steve Smith, <laughs> who I was just talking about. Yeah, that's like, that's a great comp in my opinion. Yeah, so, um, because he plays with that kind of aggression, dude, and like I like that. So it was funny. like We were talking about, oh, this is the thing about Ruggs, is that like, like, when I was watching film on Ruggs, I was like, Ruggs is, like, always open. Like, constantly open. So, I have you haven't really got to see him, what he does in, like, in a, in a crowd. Which is something that you need to be able to do in the NFL. Like, to be able to play against tight coverage, you know? And Raker was double the triple team to time just coming down with the ball. Oh, you and know with what bad I mean? QB play. And so, he just, it was, it's special to, I yeah. think, so I think there player. is some risk in this profile, though. There is some yeah, risk in yeah. this profile, and that's why where someone's like, oh, in my first-round pick, I want to be a little bit safer. I want to take Judy. I don't want to miss here. Yeah. And I would respect that because Judy does have people, you know, people look at his numbers at, at one through one. like, oh, he doesn't yeah. break market share numbers. But if you look at the advanced, some more yeah. in-depth advanced analytics, Judy does well. But yeah. well, we'll Rager definitely Judy has a, a lot. Bit. Yeah, but Rager, I'm just trying to think, parsing it out, Rager has a lot of upside, but he also has a little bit more risk than other wide receivers in this range. Yeah. I also think what he does is um, he's a dynamic playmaker. Like, I think that Judy would be somebody who's a little bit more, he'll move the chains more. Mm-hmm. I think that Rager has more of a chance to kind of, like, break out. So, like, he'd be a kind of a guy where I might not feel good about him week to week, but I know the weeks he goes off, he's going to go off. 
you know? And the other thing that I think Rager is going to get thrown into, he's going to have some return. He's going to have some specialist roles. Heaven too. forbid you mentioned that before I did. I'm kicking myself because I was just excited to talk about Rager and I was a little bit swept off my feet with your lamb analysis. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. Rager's dy- dynamism is a big part of his game and yep. it'll be, and it'll probably get him on the field very early and at least, you know, a chance to show NFL coaches like, Hey, look at me. I can do things with the ball in my hands. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that the return part of the game is, like, it's an opportunity to get more touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of guy that I see myself, like, coming in and, like, seeing, you know, squeezing off two or three punts for touchdowns. You know what I mean? He's that special of an athlete. You know what I mean? Um, that's 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 a significant upside, man, you know? But, um, yeah, like, I just joined a 32-man week where, like, return yards count. So if return yards count injury week, then oh, Rager's gosh. just – it's unfair. Okay. Yeah. So, Todd, 107 gets a little bit trickier. Another surprise. Jay Rager might be a surprise at 106 for some people. In my opinion, another surprise with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going off the board. Todd, at 107 to Rob Willette. How do you think about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being the third RB here? Not knowing landing spot, but yeah, overall as a prospect, what do you think? I, I don't like it. Um, I mean, I like him as a back. Um, I think my issue with it is, is that I think that this is all about fit. You know what I mean? And I think that he does fit a really good mold for the NFL. He's a good blocking back. He's a fantastic receiving back, you know? But to me, I kind of feel like you're looking at guys like J.K. Dobbins is a better football player, and J.K. Dobbins can catch the ball, and J.K. Dobbins is a better runner, you know? Where if you want to talk about a guy who's only done it for a year— for running backs, only having one year of, like, elite production, that worries me, you know? Like, he was not even a prospect coming into this season. So I feel like he could be a little bit more of a product of the system than saying that to, you know, saying that to, like, about Burrow. So, like, for example, he had 69 catches in his career, right, in college. He only had 14 the first two. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at one year. So am I saying he couldn't be a great player? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I wouldn't take him over some of these other guys. You know, I wouldn't take him over J.K. Dobbins, and I wouldn't take him over Cam Akers, you know? So, however, with that tier of running backs, landing spot means a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's like, in, in any position where landing spot matters, it's a running back, you know? So, I've let's... Been... He gets a better landing spot than those other two guys. It's a fine pick, you know? I've, but based off talent, no. I've been hearing a lot of smart people. Oh, I feel like I'm going to start. I'm, I'm not trying to subtweet or sub, you know, talk to anybody, but I just hear a lot of rum, rumbling about how he's a Maurice Jones type player. And I don't quite see it because Maurice Jones, Drew, was fast. He was yep. explosive. He was breakaway home run speed. And not that. Oh, and I'm not going to say that his 40 time is everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He... First of all, the number one thing you're missing about, about uh, MGD is, all right? He, okay. was, he was a bruiser, dude. He was powerful as heck. He, yes. Yeah. And, and I don't think Hilaire plays quite that way. He's more of a lateral no. kind of guy. Uh, he's a, you know, he's he does more damage in the receiving game. But I'm just saying that's yeah. why I've seen a lot of comps that way. And I don't really see it. Just the way style of play and also overall athleticism. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't. I think, you know, I, I think uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire has the requisite athleticism to play in the NFL. I'm not thrown off by that four six zero forty time. 
uh, I thought it was been fast, especially how we tested in, in high school. But the thing for me is, is and, and you've kind of touched a little bit from at this point in this range where compared to the other running backs are, he's just, Hilaire has more risk. He only yep. did it for one year. His, you know, you know, his 40 times and everything, but it, it's a little another thing that gives me a little bit more worried. And I'd just rather have an, uh, an acres, a Dobbins here. And even some of the, I might even start thinking about some of the wide receivers here over him too. Oh, but I can't say I can't hate it, but if the NFL is really high on him and he has like the ideal landing spot, okay, I understand. They, uh, look, they were ahead of the they were ahead of the curve with Clyde Slayer. I'm just there's a little bit more risk for at this point for me to make that that statement. All right, yeah. So the next pick was at 108. We're looking at uh, my Ryan McDowell. Love this guy. Love talking with him on Twitter. So based off his uh, rankings, uh, he would have got Jerry Judy. So. Um, yeah, celebrate at 108. Um, now, Dave, what's a better value pick? Jerry Judy at 108 or Lamar Jackson at 112? <laughs> yeah, Lamar Jackson at 112, of course. Oh, yeah, I love that day. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I had to throw that in there. So, um, no, but this value is, like, off the charts. I think Jerry Judy is, like, falling to the narrative of, like, fantasy football, like, just – People were just forcing narratives here. Jerry Judy is a freak. He is an unbelievable wide receiver. He is ultra-athletic. That leg kick Juki has just makes me just want to cry. It's so beautiful. It's just so fun to watch. But he's been incredibly productive. He's going to be a guy who's just absolutely going to get... He's going to get touches, and he's going to move the ball. Touch the ball and get yards. You don't want to rely on the touchdowns, and this guy's easily going to be a thousand yard receiver for multiple seasons. Now, the only thing that could hurt him is being part of a terrible offense. So, pretty much, you get drafted by the Jets. I'm going to cry. You know what I mean? So, yeah. The sucky best strikes again. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really high on Judy, man. I mean, I have been. I, I don't think that's ever been like anything that I've ever hidden, you know? So, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Judy, Dave? So Judy, when we first started talking at the beginning, this whole process started, and I was a lot lower on Judy than you. And I had it was like, what was it? you know, I had Rager over him. I had, yep. I was just really low on Judy. Yep. I had to like really struggle to get him even in that first tier. As time has gone on, I have done a deeper dive into his analytics and like his uh, scrimmage yards per team play are attractive. His, you know, and he had in his scrim touchdowns. He he had some good touchdowns scoring seasons. Todd, maybe he didn't have it later on in his career, but early on he had some great uh, yeah. touchdown scoring seasons. Yeah, and and uh, and he did it. And I think the the argument about there was a lot of competition. I think that's valid with Judy. He was the you know him and Devonta Smith alternated. It felt like on who was the best wide receiver at times, or at least from a production standpoint. Uh, and I just I I'm just really. Have to I have to. This is when I have to go on faith. And people like you, or people who have watched the tape, and they say that Judy really is the technician that they say he is. The he does well with the ball in his hands, and I and I have to just say I believe you. The advanced analytics he has certain he hits the certain benchmarks he needs to he needs to do. Because I have to say something, Todd. At one point I thought, oh, the more dominator rating you have, that means the better player you are, and that isn't actually tr- player do- or. Dominator rating is more of a threshold type stat. It doesn't mean the more you have doesn't necessarily mean that's the better player you are. I mean, yes, to a certain degree, there is the more dominant you are, the better it is. But if you just meet these age-adjusted thresholds, that is what we want. And Judy does that combined with other advanced analytics. And then what people are saying about his film, he is attracting me. I'm really struggling if he's my two or three wide receiver. 
So the draft will really help that out for me. Yep. So I, I feel like I'm growing. I'm growing as a person. I hope so. I mean, if you watch the film, man, I mean, the one thing you'll notice about him is, one, he's not afraid to go over the middle. He's going to play aggressively. He's going to take hits. He has incredibly strong hands. He catches so many balls when he gets hit. But the biggest thing that makes me love Jerry Judy is his acceleration. The moment he touches that ball, like, he's just taking off. It's literally like watching a Madden player, you know? Like, there was this one highlight I watched of him where he caught the ball, and he was spinning as he was catching the ball. And it was, like, the fastest spin. It was like you hit the circle button. And I'm just like, that's insane, dude. And then he had, like, a juke, and, like, and then he just hit another gear, like, off the bat, and he was just gone. Like, that is just an elite, elite athlete. The speed, the acceleration, the toughness. The route running is important, man, because the way that he breaks off his cuts, it's like he doesn't even, like, change his direction. It's just kind of like – it's kind of like turning back, man, dude. It's just so sharp. You know what I mean? I have a quick – can I ask you a quick question, Todd? Yeah. Well, Judy, are you – I didn't really articulate this well, but are you afraid that Judy's a wide receiver, wide receiver two on your fantasy team and he's not a – wide receiver one upside type player. You know what I'm trying Like, he's not going to be a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. He's more of just a consistent Calvin ridley S type player. Are you afraid of that at all? I am 100% getting Calvin Ridley out of this draft. You know what I mean? So that's the other thing too, though, is that like when you're having that draft, if J- Jerry Judy be a wide receiver two on your team for like five to six, like five to six years, you know what I mean? And that's something to be happy with with that draft pick. Does, do I okay, think, no, I agree. But so do you, no, just, do I do, do I you, think he do I think he could be a wide receiver one? Yeah. Okay, that's my question. But I think that his that his floor is very safely as a mid wide receiver too, which coming in as a rookie and already being able to have that kind of thought in your head is pretty special. Now, the other thing too about him is that he put up those wide one numbers just as a junior that you would have said to yourself, "This guy's going to be a stud." So he definitely has an ability. It's just a matter of like whether this translates to the NFL. You know what I mean? Yep. So do I think he could be a wide one? Yeah, but he's very safe as a wide okay. two. And that's, I think, that's actually something that I've actually started to take. As we get prepared to take our picks, because we've been doing a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say we're, uh, you know, we're just talking out of our asses or anything, but, you know, we, nothing has really mattered yet. We haven't actually made dynasty picks yet. Nope. And when you actually go to make a dynasty pick, there is something to be said for that safety of, oh, I'm not going to really mess up my team by making this pick. Uh, but anyway, I think we should we should probably pick up the pace for our, the rest of these picks. We've talked about a lot of the major prospects now, and I think we can probably t- we can pick, take it up a notch. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. All right, so with the next pick, we have 109, which is to the one and only David Wright with his second team in the first round. So, Dave, who'd you take? So this was a struggle again for me. I've I It's been a... It's been a, a decision point for me throughout this the uh, this rookie draft season or this you know the rookie analysis season, and I go with Cam Akers here. Why I love Cam Akers over J.K. Dobbins? Well, Cam Akers has the size that I want. He has the very very good athleticism that I want. And people might complain that he didn't have the production he wanted as a you know to be this kind of investment in a running back. The NFL might not like him, but uh, I think the NFL likes him. He was a very highly recruited player. He's a little raw still. He was a QB prospect coming out of high school. And why I love Akers is that he also has that receiving upside, and that, yep. that and he also I feel like his ceiling. It, while he has some that receiving upside gives you some floor, that receiving upside, sky's the limit. 
there's no there's a way that that Akers is one in the top tier of running backs by this when this is also his career is all said and done as far as this draft is concerned. So that's why I like Akers. And I, also why I think that people are overlooking the yards that he created behind that poor offensive line. He did a lot with nothing. And I think when he's actually given an opportunity in the NFL, he can really shine and we can see his true potential, which wasn't necessarily seen at Florida State. So I'm glad you throw the state at the end because I also think that's part of the reason you have to blame the production because that team is a mess. Yes. Um, Florida State is not the days of Charlie Ward anymore, dude. You know, so um, yeah, so I think the thing about Cam Akers that sticks out on film for me is like actually the receiving. Some of the catches he makes is Blackman threw some bad balls, and and Akers is just hauling in these insane one-handed catches. The guy is a he's got great hands. He's a freak athlete. He's incredibly fast. He's very strong. He's I, smooth too, catching the ball a ton. Don't you very, think? Very very smooth. And like when he catches it, he's almost in stride. It's just. Yeah, I really like him a lot. I think that Akers is a great fit for the NFL. Like, I think his receiving upside and his ability to actually move the ball on the ground. Like, if he ended up on the Chiefs, man. Oh, gosh. And you know what? That's a reality because, like, Akers probably is a third-round pick, I guess. Oh, I like. I think he's. I think he's worth the way his athleticism, his pedigree, his size, the so, way he fits the NFL. I could think he'd be. A, he could be a top. Second top two round pick, in my opinion. Possibly, I, I I probably see him going in the third. So um, I also think that also speaks to the depth of the position. Yeah, you know what I Can mean. Can I quickly say before we move on, Todd? Sure. I think that the naysayers are saying, "Well, you guys just talked about how great Acres receiving is, but he, look at all the drops he had." Well, when you're also trying to do a ton with the ball all the time, you're gonna have yep. concentration drops. Yep. If you have to think, oh, I have I'm putting the world on my shoulders right now, yep. and that might be the last thing you. If you're also an elite pass catcher sometimes you just think that's a given you're going to catch the ball and i'm going to go in and i have to worry about the second first second move i have to make next to just escape the 10 defenders who are coming at me you know so yeah. i think that's overblown his drops don't when you want to don't give me drops when you're talking about how acres receiving he's a good receiver get the heck out of here with that anyway right. continue Todd. yeah it i mean florida state has been a mess of a program you know so um to me it's just more about like it, he it's more of like his his inconsistency is it's more based off poor coaching in the system, you know, where I think Akers is going to be able to show what he's fully capable of when he gets to the NFL, you know? That offensive line was historically bad. They had something like two yards created the yep. entire season. But moving yeah. on, Todd, Cam Akers went off at 109, and people, some Superflex fans are saying, I cannot believe Justin Herbert has not gone off the board here. Well, according to the ADP and where some player people have Justin Herbert – he goes to 110 to Steve Gill, Todd. What do you think about Justin Herbert as a player? Well, I think actually what's more interesting, Dave, is as you throw it back to you, is why wouldn't you take Herbert over Akers in a Superflex? Um, I don't really like – I know a lot of people say the cheapest you're going to get a QB is in rookie drafts and in the startups. Other than that, it's really hard to get QBs in Superflex, and I agree with it's that. True. That's why I like to invest. And I'm not necessarily – I'm so used to not looking for QBs at this point, Todd, that – I don't necessarily feel it. Just my instinct is is I'm not going Justin Herbert now. Justin Herbert's a great player. I don't really like his ceiling as much. I think he's going to be just a producer. He has a, he just has not very exciting overall player for me. I don't think his decision making is the best. His accuracy is okay. So that's why I didn't go Justin Herbert here. Um, yeah, I I have a tough time with Justin Herbert too. I mean, I think that 
I would take Justin Herbert over Akers for you. I have Herbert as, I think, my number seven prospect in Superflex just because, you know, he's going to be a top ten pick. You know what I mean? And I think it's kind of like we're going back to, like, a little bit to that Daniel Jones thing, even though there's so much of a reason more to hate Daniel Jones coming out of Duke than there was of Herbert. You know what I mean? Yep. So, but it's exactly that whole thing is that, like, Herbert is going to be probably the sixth pick in my head, probably. I see him landing in San Diego. I'd be shocked if he made it past sixth. Yeah. So then you're looking at him landing in a great situation with a great wide receivers and a great line. He's going to come up in the board for a super flex for sure. So I definitely think his landing spot matters a lot. But the thing with Herbert is, is like, he's a big guy. He has a big arm. His completion percentage has been like solid, you know, 66.8. Like he's 64% through at four years there. He's a four year, four year starter. I mean, four year player. You know, so like that's that's something to be said that he was able to earn at a very good school. Um, you know what my big issue with him was this Davis this year, Dave was is the bowl game. He was garbage. He was absolutely garbage because what saved him was three rushing touchdowns. Like he yep. looked pedestrian against like Wisconsin, and then like those last three games that he played against Utah and like Oregon State, he didn't look great, man. You know, so like. It, like have, he didn't finish strong for me, and like those are the kind of things I say to myself. Like, this is when you're supposed to step up and shine, man. I mean, they won the game, and like his rushing was definitely part of it. But I mean, he threw for, you know, he threw for 138 yards with one pick. You know what yep. I mean? So I don't know. He so the thing too is I don't see the upside with Herbert. He definitely has value in Superflex because yeah. he's a QB and everything like that. Everything that people preach about positional value, I understand. But also in Superflex, we're seeing people like Jameis Winston and, and Cam Newton not have jobs right now. So yeah. I think we're getting a point where we're getting a little bit of a saturation point for QBs. Um, that oversaw all you said. You said Herbert's your 107. He's probably falls around there for me too. I just... The way this draft has gone, I would have taken – I probably would have taken Herbert over Raker. I probably would have taken him over Edwards Hilaire. Mm-hmm. So uh, just the way this draft has fallen, I still – I'm sticking to my board. And while I think Herbert has slipped, I still like the running back Akers over Herbert. You know, this is yeah. the way this draft is falling. I would say that if you want to talk it from a physicality standpoint, that Herbert's probably the most physically gifted QB in here. But he hasn't really done enough to like – great, he's gifted, but like – Where's the wow, man? It's not there, you know? So, I don't know. You know what my call for him is, like, Matt Stafford. I think that's actually being too general. Matt Stafford's been good at times, so. Well, I think Justin Herbert's going to be good at times, too. <laughs> that's my point. I, I think, think he's more of a Joe Flacco. Oh, wow. Okay, I don't know about that. And, and hey, Flacco was a QB1 for a while, man. I know. Man. No, I, I yeah. think he's a, he's a Q, I think Justin Herbert is a middle QB2 in, in fantasy. That's what I think he is. I think so, drafting a first rounder to be your QB two for five to six years in a super flex week is is pretty significant. Yeah, you know. No, no I just think I just, that's all I'm saying. I don't. Think, I just don't yeah. see the upside with Herbert. That's no, I get I'm it. I get it. I get. I'm not going to argue it either. Yeah. I I struggle with him. You know. Yeah. All right. So one eleven. Um, I'm if I, I like. So this is when mocking annoys me. Is when things aren't actually happening and this is just practice. At one eleven, I got J.K. Dobbins, which like, I'd be over the moon about like this would be to me the steal of the first round um actually no jerry judy at 108 so i'd say like dobbins at 111 be number two for me um dobbins is a freak man he could do like anything on a football field you could possibly ask he can catch the ball he's a game breaker he's explosive um 
His testing at the opening at a high school was like off the charts, dude. He holds a lot of a high like internal testing at OSU. He's on the board there. Yeah. He uh, he he's had some some pretty crazy numbers too there. Yeah. Um, um yeah. So Dobbins man to me like like I I'm going to look up his opening numbers, but um his yes. size you mean? No. I'll, oh no, I'll, oh the, the oh the opening. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. while you're looking that up Todd, I'll just say JK Dobbins, I really like Dobbins. He is a producer. He has some receiving upside like he can catch the ball. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure how much routes he's actually running, but he can definitely do something with the ball in his hand as a, as a receiver. And he was a, he was a very good producer. The only, you know, he, who was the, the running back? Was it Michael Warren? Was it Mike Warren, Todd? No, uh, Webster, Mike Webster, Mike Webster, Mike Weber. So Weber, Weber. Yeah, that's right. So they were afraid of like, why didn't he just dominate Mike Weber? You know, why did he have to compete with Mike Weber that year? And, and overall, too, what I really like about, uh, you know, why, too, he came in a little bit smaller at the weigh-in at the NFL Combine. I hope that's what ultimately was the th- reason why I went Akers. I liked Akers as, like, is like 220. Dobbins came in at, like, 206 or 208 or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. So I just like a little bit more size at running back. But Dobbins is a great pick. I don't think – I've actually been in a couple mocks now, Todd, where Dobbins has slipped significantly. Yeah. Um, I don't. I still don't understand why Edwards Hilaire is over Dobbins. I don't get it. There, there's there's no reason for it for my in my mind. I, I think like the other thing too is like if you want to look at Hilaire, like like Dobbins ran for two thousand yards and twenty one touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like because he wasn't on LSU. You know he's had over twenty catches in three seasons. You know I mean, yeah. I mean sorry, he's had over twenty catches for three consecutive seasons. Dobbins a complete back dude. You know he's yep. explosive like. I just think it's because Ohio State didn't reach the same level with LSU. There was there was that whole that whole part about being part of like being on the main stage with LSU in that magical season, and I think that you know Edward Tiller is kind of like falling into that that hype. Did, and Dobbins almost put them on their his back there that last. Was yeah. It, did they lose to Clemson? He was. I came back from the movie theater after that game, and I watched yeah. it, and, and I know he was still dealing with a, a hamstring injury or something, but yeah. he still was gaming out there, and he was picking up. Dumps off, dump off. You yep. pick up large chunks of yards there before that inter- that pick was thrown. So yeah, I like so, him. I so, think this is a great people. Who, if you can, I don't think the running backs make it to in my ideal world. I don't think they make it. Running backs make it past one hundred seven. If you get any of these top four running backs at one eleven, it's a win, big yeah. win. So I don't really put into combine numbers like for like NFL like like for success, but I find them impressive. So in high school, four point four five forty, four oh nine shuttle. A 21-inch Powerball toss, and then his I don't even know what that is. Leap, his vertical leap is 43 inches, dude. Yeah, he's he's an athlete, man. So it's I'd weird be that I knew that that was huge at a high school off the top of my head. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I mean, mine mine's 42. So um, but anyways, um, yeah. So you no touch rim, right? Yeah. Um, my big thing about him is that like I don't see him being at that 11 spot, like. Like some team is going to draft him, and NFL it's higher on him than a lot of people are. Hundred percent, the draft capital is going to be higher. He could be the first running back off the board. People see him to Miami. They see DeAndre Swift. They say J.K. Yeah. Dobbins. Very easy to Miami. It's I, th- yeah. We're lucky with these four or five running backs, Todd. It's a lucky class for us. It's been a yeah. while since I feel like we've had this many running backs. So, uh, Dave, I think I can do these next ones pretty quick. You ready? Yep. All right. So for the twelve spot, we decided to use um, the Dynasty Football League uh, Superflex ADP. For rookies, and uh, at the 12th spot was exactly who landed there, was Henry Ruggs. Um, obviously a speed demon. Guys are really high on his athleticism. Um, I think that he's the kind of guy that people are looking for to be more in the pros than he was in college. Now, 
without getting too far into it, the most interesting thing I saw today, now I don't really buy into these things, but it makes you kind of ponder like, what if? Like, there was rumors that the Chiefs are really high on Henry Ruggs. <laughs> and if I saw Henry Ruggs at the Chiefs, that would be kind of fun to watch. But um, I it would be ridiculous, though, at the same time. Like, they do not need to draft a receiver. Um, so, Tom, Henry Ruggs is the most controversial wide re- prospect in this draft. There, yeah. he is, there are two camps, and it is really exciting. I'm going to see how this unfolds. I think the NFL is going to take him higher. If he did fall mm-hmm. more than what people thought— that would be fascinating to watch. I'm re- I just really like the conversation around Henry Ruggs. Ultimately, in the back of my head, he's going to be higher ranked than I want him to do. Because mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, he's like he really could be amazing. He that speed could win. This is a different NFL. The NFL is always changing, and sometimes statistics take a little bit longer to catch up. These trends yep. take a little bit longer to catch up. Peter Howard talks about this a lot. These trends take a little bit longer to catch up. But I still will lean. Whereas I will take other players over him. I would take. A couple, maybe one or two wide receivers over him. But after that, I don't have a problem with that Ruggs here. I do I do have a problem with him being in the top three wide receivers in this class. People who have him yeah. as their number one fantasy player, I don't see it. I don't see it. Well said. So the next pick at, uh, at 201 would have been Dan Mailer. And he took, hit by his rankings, he would have taken Justin Jefferson. Uh, for me, I feel like that's kind of a steal. I would have had, um, well, not a steal. I feel like that that's a little bit of a... Um, I would have taken Jefferson over Ruggs, I think is what I'm saying. Like, like I think Jefferson's yep. more of a complete back. He had great production at LSU. Granted that, like, everybody had great production at LSU. But, um, yeah, no, he was um, – he's a guy I really like. Um, I think that – it's kind of going back to your Judy um, question. I think you're drafting a guy that you're confident to be your wide receiver two. And if you're expecting to be the wide receiver one um, – yeah, I guess it could be possible, but I also think that might be reaching on your expectations a bit. Justin Jefferson's age-adjusted production is excellent. He was, even though he had an elite um, wide receiver counterpart this year, um, he did very well. He still was a touchdown beast. He was, you know, he was a great player out of the slot. Justin Jefferson was way more athletic than I thought he was going to be, and that's where he solidified in my. He's in my top tier of wide receivers in this draft. He's in my tier one wide receivers. I would. And in my opinion, though, if I was about if I was picking every pick, how I would rank it, the real decision comes down between I, I still have Rager slightly ahead of him, but the real decision is Rager, Edwards, Hilaire, or or Justin Jefferson. That's where my decision point comes in. If I was going to be ranking these players, and I saw actually an interesting stat about Justin Jefferson, he didn't he only ran like five plays or something like that out of uh, out wide. He was in a predominantly slot wide receiver, didn't really deal with having press coverage at all. Curious if that affects him at all in the NFL because uh, sep- people say get, um, getting away from press coverage is a big deal in the, when it comes to the NFL game. I think that he can handle it. He's got the athleticism. He's got the ball skills, the run after catch ability. I really like Justin Jefferson overall. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like Jeff- Jefferson. I think he's um, – for me, I think he's a safe pick, you know. Um, I think I just like knowing that he's going to be somebody you know who's going to be able to produce, you know where I don't see him breaking into like the top 10 of wide receivers in my mind, you know. This we're just getting into the part of this draft where the depth of the wide receivers at this point is is a thing we should highlight. Just the oh, talent the level that we're talking about in the next 4 to 5 like this this last string of wide receivers and then a couple more just very deep at this tier. Oh yeah, it's historically deep until 2021. So um yeah, <laughs> I have to do that in there. So um <laughs> all right, next pick at 202, uh Jeff Haverlack would go with 
T. Higgins, according to his rankings. And I love that pick. Uh, I've been high on T. Higgins for a while. He has slid on my board a little bit. Uh, he's he's now my wide receiver six. Um, I had him at five, and then I put rugs over him again. Um, I like Higgins. I like his size. I think it's going to play well in the NFL. Um, I think he's good enough of an athlete to be able to still keep up with the separation. Um, so, like I say, I don't chase touchdowns, but, I mean, that's kind of what I look at with Higgins. I see him kind of being a guy that's going to be a phenomenal red zone target. So I see him as somebody I can confidently see 808 out of on a consistent level, which is something that I'd be really happy with for a consistency standpoint. But I also see that there's a potential to be more there, you know. So the floor I really like in saying that, like, my mid-range would be, like, 808. So then I'd be looking at 1,010 versus, like, 606. So, like, that's kind of, like, where I think of T. Higgins in my head, and I like that. So, um, yeah, Dave, what are your thoughts on T. Higgins? So I think T. Higgins is actually a fascinating prospect. There's a lot of different modes of thinking going into this uh, hit this pick. Uh, from a market share standpoint, he meets the certain uh, age-adjusted thresholds that we want to see, but he doesn't dominate anywhere there because he plays at Clemson. There's a, People call it wide receiver U because there's a lot of players that he has to compete with that uh, that are very good – and also, too, the pe—and I usually just don't—I don't like to get too much in nuance because when you get too much in nuance, then you start, you know, you start going against what the trends are, and you're not making—you're making suboptimal decisions. But the way that Clemson won their games a lot this year, they were blowing people out in the in the second half, in the first half, and then they didn't even—they were like, we're gonna—we do not want him to get injured. We are going to save him. We were not—he did not get used, whereas the same rate that people left— other star players in for longer because they were more competitive games or, or what, what have you, they really saved T. Higgins until it really mattered. And when it really did matter, they fed him. And the other thing with T. Higgins, what people are saying is that he, that a very popular thing nowadays in, in football is, is that he contested catches are somehow becoming a negative thing because that shows he doesn't get separation because, and I don't, I don't know where I really feel about that. All I know is that, he has the numbers. He has the pedigree. He has the size. I, I like T. Higgins. And I remember you criticizing me originally, Todd, for having him as my wide receiver seven. He's still my wide receiver seven since last time we talked. Mm-hmm. And now he's your six. So I feel a little justified here. Yeah, but, I think the thing about it is, is like it's not the fact that I'm lower on Higgins, I would say. it's I think it's more a reflection of the class. I think I've come around on Justin Jefferson, and I just can't put him over. I just can't put rugs over him. I just like Ruggs' athletics profile is just for the NFL. I'm a little more confident in that. And also, Ruggs is going to go in the first round. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, the draft capital, I think that's what kind of swayed me over him. Now, I like Higgins more than both of those guys. I will say that. For me, this is more about where I see the value coming out. You know, that's yeah. not necessarily how I feel about them as prospects. Now, if T. Higgins lands in a phenomenal landing spot, my feelings might go through the roof. You know what I mean? Yep. So, like, I love T. Higgins. And from yeah. a contested standpoint, you know what? You're going to have to face a lot more contested catches in the NFL than you are getting wide open in separation. So, if I see a guy being able to rustle down a ball in contested situations, yeah, I'm going to be happy about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the guys that are always open catching the ball that I have worries about because they're not going to see the same level of cornerback at the, at, at the NFL. You know? Yep. So, anyways. So, next pick, Dave. Next pick is LaVisca Chenault to Ken Kelly at 203. Uh, I don't really see LaVisca Chenault over some of the other wide receivers at this point. Uh, 
LaVisco Chenault had a lot of buzz at certain points in his, his career in college. He was a, a Debbie darling. Uh, he is a, people have described him as a, a wide receiver who plays like a running back with the ball in his hands. He, he, his testing numbers might not necessarily res, uh, reflect how he actually is athletically because he was dealing with a core injury that required surgery, but he should be healthy towards uh, the end of this month or beginning of next month. Uh, LaVisca Chenault's an interesting guy with me. He dealt with injuries a lot in his career. He had a lot of bad QB play. I He just feels a little risky for me. People like to say that he's the A.J. Brown-esque. I think A.J. Brown is a little bit more refined. A.J. Brown had better uh, market share numbers, better uh, advanced analytics. I, I understand what people like about LaVisca Chenault, but I just have other players over him. Todd, what do you think about Chenault? Um... I think he's a running back with the football in his hands. I think he's a guy that this is the perfect example. This is the prime example of a boom bust pick. You know, I think that in the right situation, in the right offense, he could be a pro bowler, no problem. If he can stay healthy. That's the other thing is this guy honestly has, has some issues with staying healthy. I do like his character and his intangibles uh, from like the things that this guy's been able to see. He'll be able to be, a consummate pro so like that's something that does matter to me at a certain point so but the thing with him is is like it's it's a risky pick you know so if you're high on him and you're in a situation where you could swing for the fences here this is a home run swing man you know this is literally like you're the swinging or striking out you know um i think you're looking at a guy that could be like juju schuster or cordell patterson you know so, like, I feel like that's a huge range, so it's a risky pick. Um, for me, for him, it's a wait and see by where team he ends up on, you know. Uh, if I like his landing spot, I'm going to like him a lot more. And I love this guy's film. He is a dynamo with the ball in his hands. And it looks like just a runaway freight train, like, when he has the ball. So... He's a big wide receiver, and I think that that would translate well in the NFL. Again, it's just a matter of what scheme he's in, man, and what role he has in that scheme. So I'm okay with the pick there over a guy like who's going to go next or over over an Edwards. But that's literally just like, you know, you're putting him on the table, man, and you're trying to show people that you're not scared of it. And, and I think, the two at 203, you know, who cares? Yep. It's it's you pick your guys at this point. Yep. Pick your guys at this point. Yep. So you know if, if that's what you know Ken Kelly. I don't actually know. I don't think I've ever actually interacted with Ken Kelly yeah. on Twitter or anything. But if that's this is based off his rankings. You. And the other thing too yeah. is that like this is also a, per- a perfect example of like where I would take that and I say to myself I could probably trade down and still get him. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like just trade back three picks and see if you can just upgrade a little bit somewhere else. You know what I mean? So anyways. So at so at two hundred four, Todd, I actually really love this pick, Denzel Mims. I do out too. Of Baylor. The, pro, the thing with Denzel Mims is in a lot of places, he's going at 109, 110 in drafts. He's mm-hmm. really jumped up in the top tier for a lot of people. He's not there for me, at, but at 204, he just he slots in, slots in perfectly. I really like him at this point in the draft or even maybe a little bit higher. I just really like Denzel Mims here. He, he, has, the, he has the size. He has the athleticism. He has the production. He had a, a little bit of dip, he, you know, a little bit older prospect, but st- not, you know, not terribly old. But he also, a little thing in his profile that stuck out to me today when I was looking 
is that he, in his junior season at Baylor, he took a back seat to Jalen Hurd, uh, who got drafted to San Francisco. And and if Denzel is as good as we were saying, and not that Jalen Hurd's a bad player, but if he's as good as his athleticism is leading us to believe, why did he take such a backseat to Jalen Hurd, who was a transfer right. from Tennessee? Why wasn't he dominating Jalen Hurd? Uh, that's that's my only my only thing I have to say uh, with Denzel Mims. But I like the idea that if he can put his his athleticism, his his body build, and his production all come together in the perfect landing spot with a lot of opportunity, that he's an exciting pick. And at this point in the draft, I love it. Yeah, I actually think he's probably one of he was the most underrated wide receiver for a while. I think um, the combine kind of made him just kind of like bust onto the seam. Uh, I think we started talking about him in February, where I was having him as kind of like... We both guy. liked him, right? Yeah, we did. and But we were looking at him as like an early third great value. And then like the combine happened and like... It, I mean, the combine just makes people do crazy things. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see him at the end of the first over a lot of those guys. But um, I also can't hate on it because I kind of feel like he's a guy that... Yeah, it's kind of tough to kind of place him in like where he is in that ranking. So like... You know, he ends up in a good offense. He's instantly they could be their wide receiver too. You know what I mean? He's not a wide receiver one as a rookie by no means. But oh, not not many people are Todd. Not but but are. there's really nothing you can really nitpick about his profile either. You know, uh, I can nitpick that he had a late breakout age for his athleticism. Okay. Uh, that, yeah. And I just nitpick that he couldn't beat uh, Jalen Hurd. He couldn't dominate yeah. Jalen Hurd, and, and also too the Baylor. It's I, I was, passing game. I was more talking about from a film standpoint, Dave. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. From, 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 <laughs> so not to argue against my own pick here. Yeah. I'm, exactly. <laughs> do, do, do you want to repick? <laughs> I think my thing about it is is that um, I I, I like we watch him on film. He's he's a very strong wide receiver. He's he's incredibly fast. He's got great leap. He can catch the ball at the high point. He can fight off cornerbacks. He's great after the catch. There's not really anything about him that you just don't love about, like, watching him on film. The only thing is that, like, it just seems like some guys are better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um... Next up, you, yeah. you came to Utah, and you went... Your, you went, your super flex instincts took over again, and you, where would you go here? Uh, I took a value pick, not a me pick. That's what I would say here. I took Jordan Love. Your, your, cute, your, your super flex instincts took over. Yeah, so, um, I'm a Patriots fan, and, um, if there's anything I feel like is self-inflicting on myself is joining patriots facebook groups uh and that sounds miserable i I, yeah i i i I join them and i quit them and then i go back for more um i I try monks used to beat themselves with those i try to explain to people that like that at that 23 pick like he's not the guy for the pats i'm like we're could be pretty bad like we could get a better quarterback next year or Look for a trade or, like, get a vet, and then, like, in 2022, there's going to be another good quarterback crop. Like, for me, it's, like, like I, I, like he's a guy that he's made a lot of wild plays, but he couldn't make easy plays. He made some really bad decisions with the football. But the thing about it is he's going to get picked high. And the Patrick Mahomes, like, hype, I don't oh, buy into it. Get the it. heck out of here. Get the heck out hey. of here. Terrible. I, I don't buy into it at all. All right, but it's enough that like that that's coming from all over the place. He's gonna be a probably a top two round pick. Somebody's gonna put draft capital in him, and give him an opportunity. You know, so to me, it's like so like when I picked Ryan Finley last year, and you made fun of me. I was like, dude, it was like the end of the third round, and he actually started some games. You know what I mean? And for me, it's like if a quarterback has an opportunity to possibly start. 
and then run with the opportunity, I'm not going to pretend I'm an NFL scout and I understand these guys. If he gets an opportunity to be an NFL starter within a year or two, I'm going to take him in the middle of the second round. All right. It's gotten to the point now for me, Todd, with quarterbacks because I have my my confidence in assessing quarterbacks is that probably the lowest has been ever. Yeah. I have no confidence assessing quarterbacks. I will say this. What I've heard is that Jordan Love doesn't necessarily process reads like that. Nope. Like he doesn't – he's more of a, uh, a toolsy kind of quarterback, and that's not my type of player. Uh, also, plus, if he does not go in the first round, I'm definitely not touching with a 10-foot pole. I need first-round draft capital in my in my fantasy football quarterbacks. The, the statistics play that out. Unless you have a very high rushing upside, I do not want to touch – a non-first-round QB. So that's basically that's my only caveat of saying why I like Jalen Hurts over Jordan Love. Uh, that being, that's all I have to say about Jordan Love. I don't have much to offer next time. I think we can go to the next. Well, Greg hey, Evan. I just want to go on on record that I actually like Jalen Hurts better as a player. I just don't think the draft capital is going to be there. Yeah, that's it. I would I would really be it would it would show us a lot where the NFL is going, Todd. If the NFL is high on Jalen Hurts as well, it'd be really cool to see the Jalen them being high on Jalen Hurts. I understand why the NFL isn't. But as a, from a fantasy standpoint, it'd be exciting to see them start in the same mold of a you know it's a copy. We always say it's a copycat league, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's the same type of player as as uh, Lamar Jackson. But just that idea of what he could do for an offense, the dual threat, be cool to see what a smart offensive coordinator could do with that. I agree. All right, so uh, and then obviously <laughs> that was that, yeah, that was Ray Gavin. So that, that was Ray Gavin, Jalen Hurts, who I actually had Jalen Hurts before Jordan Love. Then I realized Jordan Love wasn't gone yet, so I'm like. Literally for me, it was just draft capital. But I actually like Hurts better as a football player. So then at one and as a fantasy asset too, probably right. Hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. Robert. uh, Oh, excuse me. Rob Willett went with Brian Edwards. I know that's your boy, Dave. You want to tell us a little about Brian Edwards? I think this is where I've been really trying to. I've done a lot more mock drafts this year to try to get a feel for where Brian Edwards is going. At one point, he really slipped into the third round at in this offseason, but I think people have started to realize that he's and he's been pushed back up. People are saying you cannot forget about Brian Edwards. I think the NFL is going to value him as a three, a third or fourth round pick, hopefully. It'd be awesome if they value him as more, but I see him as being a third or fourth round pick in the NFL, and that'll be just fine for draft capital-wise. Uh, age adjusted production is solid. He competed with Debo Samuel. Solid. People say he's a little slow. He, you know, he relied too much on the screen game at, at South Carolina. Well, he relied on the screen game as much because their QB play was terrible. And, but it, he is a type of player where I get excited to see the ball in his hands. He also can, I think he has some uh, physicality to going up and getting the ball, a red zone threat. He, they even let him return a couple kicks at South Carolina to show just how much they want to get the ball in his hands. Yep. I like Brian Edwards a lot. I like him a lot, a lot. I think I, if he was on the board anywhere, you know, if I could figure a way to trade up at the two, I would start at the 203. I've been trying to trade up all the time in a real uh, rookie draft. Then why'd you take Mims? Because I I have Mims a little bit higher. That's the the thing. And I know I can get Brian Edwards a little bit later. That's the thing. So I think my idea is that Mims, oh, Mims should have gone a little bit higher. And at like 203, oh, now now we're in the Brian Edwards uh, territory. I'm going to go up and get him. So in in our fantasy history, so I'm going to let the Edwards uh, thing stay with you. I like Edwards too, but I like what Dave said. So... I'm looking at Dave had the one at the 209. This reminds me of the time where we were drafting at a bar together and, and a guy <laughs> slipped. 
and I could see a similar reaction where Dave's pounding the bar and freaking out an older couple trying to enjoy their lunch right behind me. Like, that's not my favorite time, but that's up there. So um, I, we, we dropped so much money in that bar, I feel like we earned the right to, to pound our tables for a, a, a fantasy draft. Yeah, right. Yeah. I put <laughs> yeah, I put a few of those guys' kids through swim lessons. So, yeah. So uh, Brian McDowell would have gone with Brandon Ayaku. Uh, according to his rankings. He's an interesting guy for me. I can't really figure him out on tape. He just looks like a like just a speed demon, like a guy that can be really special once he gets the ball in his hands for yards after the catch. Um I, I don't know man. Like I just can't really figure out what I think about him. And like I see him getting like mocked in actual drafts at like the end of the first round. Going for guys like T. Higgins, going over Jefferson in some drafts going over Edwards, going over Mims, and I'm just kind of like, what am I missing here? So, you know what you're missing is, Todd? Can I say what you're missing? What? Is that I feel like I have enough respect for you to say that you'd like to look at a player's entire career. Yeah. And some people, they don't take their their kind of uh, – they're couch surfers. They're just looking – these they you know, they they have so much – they have to look at defensive players. They have to look at – they have so much workload. They don't take the time to go and look – they're looking at his last season, and he was amazing his last season. But guess what? I wouldn't even say it was of... amazing. He was really good. Like well, he had like thirteen hundred yards, right? It, like he he had a lot. Of, he had a very no. He didn't good even break twelve hundred. Uh, okay, maybe I yeah. I'll have to go look. Sixty-five catches. Ju- he's at eleven ninety-eight for yards. I mean the I mean the yards per ca- maybe catch. Maybe look are at amazing. scrimmage yards total. Yeah, scrimmage yards. Are, he only had one carry for six yards, and then he had eight oh, touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. so to me, it's just kind of like like I, on film, he kind of looks like a poor man's rigor. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, but he doesn't play the same way. No, he does not. He he does not play with a certain kind of aggression. Just looks like a guy who's just trying to outrun a bully. 12, 12, you know what I mean? Which I feel okay. bad. Like I'm not trying to say like Brandon Hicks soft. I'm just saying like I just haven't seen anything that makes me understand like where this hype's coming from. Now is he fast? Heck yeah, he's fast. But like, I, yeah, and the other thing too is that like that one year production was not like outstanding and then the year before was pretty much nothing you know what i mean and like he ran a four five dude like i mean four five is fast but it's not like elite you know so i don't know i don't like the pick i i just don't i just he's a guy that if he's there in the beginning of the third round i'm happy to take a fly on so his market share numbers are actually so while his you know he doesn't have like the 1300 you know i i think i had uh I think I had uh, what's it, Lamb's number stuck in my head, Todd. Yep. Um, but Ayuk's, as from a market share standpoint, Todd, there it is very good. And the reason, and I just don't see why, if he's so great, why was he taking a? And I mind you, I love Harry, but why was he playing second? Why was he getting totally shut out by Harry um, last in, in the, his junior season? And, and because he's not me, that good, it's not a good program. Yeah. Yeah, well, they have Brian. Was it Herm Edwards now as the coach there? Yeah. Uh, well, so, well, it, well, first of all, what I mean by it's not a good program, it's not an elite program. They're not getting the talent there, man. You know what I mean? Harry was a top recruit coming out, but I know I know overall what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, moving, I yeah. moving on, though, he does have returnability, electric returnability. He was a very good returner. Uh, and it is interesting what he can do with the ball in his hands. I And a younger me, Todd, would have been like, oh, you know, he broke out at a very late age, dude. And, you know, I can't fault him for taking a very 
roundabout way to getting to this point at Arizona yeah. State. He was apparently he was a defensive player coming out, didn't get the didn't have the same opportunity recruiting wise, but then once he got a shot, he did prove it. So I will say it is promising when you have that kind of dominant year. Yeah. But I don't like I, I think it's I would have maybe taken a couple other players over him coming up, but I don't mind I don't think it's a terrible pick here. Actually, okay. What I think you're right. At one oh eight I think it's I mean two oh eight it's totally fine. I think more of what I'm saying is, is like in actual football drafts, like actual, like the NFL draft, not fantasy drafts, I'm seeing him mocked at the end of the first round. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't see it. I don't see and, it. I and, think those are, that I don't think actually, are, and I've seen it like quite a few times in quite a different places. And I'm just kind of like, I don't see it. I just don't. You know what I mean? The, the guy who does the, the senior bowl, Todd, I forget his name, but he said that he was a better player than Nikhil Harry. And I said, get the F out of here. Yeah. Nikhil Harry. Age adjustment production, dynamism. Get the heck out of here with Nikhil. Nikhil people need to stop with Nikhil Harry. But the idea that Ayuk is a better prospect than Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry was a lot heavier, and he ran almost the same speed as the speedster Todd. Yeah. Get, get out of here with it, the Nikhil Harry hate. That, sorry, that's my want to. Uh, yeah. Side note. All right. So uh, two oh nine, we had David, and you went with who, Dave? Goodness, I even forgot who I went with here. I went with oh. A very interesting pick for me here, KJ Hamler. <laughs> I half jokingly have seen some people, and I agree with that he is, he is the. I wouldn't be. He's the arbitrage Henry Ruggs. He's a player that is a smaller player who has the lo, elite long or the elite speed that can do what people say that Henry Ruggs will do, but yeah. he'll do it for a lot cheaper. Um, I've I have heard the negatives that he doesn't really. He's a softer player. He doesn't really uh, compete for balls. Uh, he needs to be a little bit. He relies on his speed, and he needs. He doesn't do the contested catch thing. It's like, okay, I, I, I guess so. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. Uh, that being said, his production was through the roof at Penn State, and at two oh nine, it's we're throwing darts at this. You know, the the uh, it's the point where why not go for the upside of a of a speed demon? The idea is that he would be have to be as. This is like a T.Y. Hilton type play for me. Yeah. This is where I kind of see him as. So I, I like KJ Hamlin, uh, Hamler. I, I think the thing about it is um, he's definitely somebody who's going to play. He's going to be a slot guy. Um, I, I kind of look at him and I think to myself, I, I don't see a high ceiling there. Um, if he ends up in the right situation and where he can get fed the ball a lot, like I could see him if he were – like back in the day, like Patriots, you know what I mean? Like, like keep a guy I could see playing like that Wes Welker role and getting fed the ball. You know what I mean? But he doesn't have the toughness that Welker has. That's the other thing I was going to say too, is like playing with the slot and that kind of speed, like he's got to be able to be able to play over the middle. And I don't know if that guy can do it. I don't see this guy being someone who's going to stretch the field. So yeah, I mean, I'm not super high on him. Whereas, I mean, I think he looks like a great prospect, but when it comes down to where he actually fits on a team, I think it's really a big part of like how he fits in the scheme. Yeah. So he's um, a boom bust pick, and at this time. point, he's he has to be Ty Hilton. That's how he has to succeed. Yeah, that's a very rant, small asset of players who can do that, and it's just a, it's a swing for the fence type of pick. Yep. So um, for at, at two ten, Steve Gill goes with Endo Benjamin, running back. Eno, Eno, Eno. Sorry, Eno my Benjamin. bad. Eno Benjamin, running back out of Arizona State. So Eno is somebody that I actually really like. And the reason I really like him is, is that I think that at the very least, he's going to be a guy that can find that receiving role on that. So I don't see him as, so when I'm looking at the back of the second round, like 
there's a chance that you might be able to hit on a starter. If you're swinging for the fences for a running back, probably A.J. Dillon's the guy to go for. You know what I mean? But if I'm looking for a guy that I feel like is going to be a serviceable fantasy player sooner than later, and I'm confident that he'll find a role in that, I would say uh, Benjamin's the guy, man. He, like His receiving upside, um, he's not exactly like a phenomenal athlete, but he was good enough to be pretty darn productive in college. You know? So... Um, yeah, I, I do like this pick. He's somebody who, as a late second-round pick, I'm, I I really like. Now, I would probably take him... I would... So, I might as well just say, we'll just do both these guys at the same time. At 211, I took Zach Moss. All right? Yep. Um, people have been really down on Zach Moss in the fantasy, in the fantasy world. But Zach Moss... Zach Moss just ate in college, man. Zach Moss was a very, very productive college player. And he's somebody that, if you watch on film, he's a phenomenal between-the-tackles kind of a player. He did have two 20-catch seasons, so he can catch the ball. Um, for me, at the end of the second round, I think that he's the safest pick. And I also think he's a guy that's probably the most NFL-ready out of these later backs to step in and play. You know? So, like... Maybe A.J. Dillon becomes a phenomenal running back in the NFL. And I missed on that pick because I took Zach Moss. And I thought that Zach Moss is going to be somebody who's going to play right away and be showing to me if he's an NFL player or not. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm why I'm I probably in order. I probably go Moss, Dillon, Benjamin. Yep. So interesting as we just wrap up this the last three picks here, Todd. You know Benjamin. He went on a he's been a wild value swing the last season. People were he was another Debbie darling at times. People yeah. were really high on him. They thought he was going to be in the top tier of backs, and then people started to question his size, yep. his athleticism, and then he kind of okay in those spots. He like really fluctuated the Senior Bowl to the to the combine. He insane weight change, whatever. But it was just interesting to see yeah. this whole wave of things. But you know Benjamin, like you said, all three of these running backs. It just, I just have a hard time feeling that they're going to be have primary roles to start with the NFL, Todd. I think they're going to be in probably in timeshares. They're going to rely on this, a timeshare with some opportunity and or they're going to have to have an injury to really take off and they could really perform. You know, Benjamin, to me, has the safest floor because of his receiving upside. So that's why I like him where he went. Whereas Zach Moss and A.J. Dillon, they have players, if they ever had, if they ever found worked their way into the opportunity, they could produce as an RB2 level or even, you know, who knows what kind of opportunity they get, but they could really have a higher ceiling if they ever got that opportunity kind of thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, totally, man. I mean, for me, it was just like, so when it goes Moss, Dylan, Benjamin to me, um, I literally just talked myself through this as I was giving yeah. my take. Moss, I think, has the best chance to be a NFL producer. I think Dylan has the highest ceiling, and then Benjamin has the safest way of carving out a role within the team. You know, yeah, like a PP floor flex play for exactly. you. Exactly. Kind of so, like, to me, like, I probably go Moss, Dylan, Benjamin, but it also depends, like, when I'm looking at my team. So, like, as like I'm like right now, I think of as a contender because that's what I am in that league. So, like. I think of Moss before all with that. And in fact, I'm very happy with Moss at 211. So after after Edwards is off the board for me, it gets really messy as yep. it depends where landing spot's going to really matter for these players. But I have like, so Brian Edwards is like the last guy I really have circled. And then after that, it's going to be 
Well, it depends what kind of role they get and how it fits their how they produce in college and yada yada and their draft capital. But yeah. Todd, I think we, before we get out of here, we want to talk a couple sleepers. Do you want to get yours two off your chest? Or you want me to go first? I want to hear yours first. All right, so I'm going deep, deep sleepers. <clears throat> I like a lot. There's still a lot of people that I like out here, but these are just kind of my kind of guys that I, I want to talk about. I mentioned him before, but Aaron Parker out of URI. He had he had competi- NFL level competition and his cousin Isaiah Coulter on the same team. So that's a little bit uh, like a non or so FCS schools. They usually are just they're the one guy and there you can just dominate the whole offense. But Parker had other people to to compete with his uh, his efficiency stats, his college dominator stats, his breakout age, his size are all stellar. His speed is just okay. His other testing metrics were almost terrible uh you could say but i really love aaron parker he's a local guy i actually saw him play i think it was a sophomore or freshman season he was a he was a high school quarterback uh came in originally he was going to play defensive end linebacker and they switched into wide receiver he even returned kicks and then my second guy todd is another local new england guy in brian edwards out of maine uh he is a FCS All American, second All American, according to the Associated Press. He led Maine in all time kick return yards. He leads them in receiving yards. He is a dynamic player with the ball in his hands. He ran like a 4 4 1 at his 40. He's about 180 pounds and he's just a really shifty, uh, do well with the ball in his hands, with good footwork, according to some film people. And he just he dominated that offense at Maine. Also, and he, it looks like there's a lot of buzz that he's going to be a, have a high day three. anywhere He could fall anywhere on day three. but And that's exciting for, for me as a, as a local guy, and I want to highlight it as a player that I didn't know until Zach Reed pointed him out. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk my main guys as much as I can. So those are my two guys. And so can I ask you a quick question about them? Yep. Do you think they're guys that are worth taking in a four-round draft, or are those guys you're no, looking at? No, these are just guys that I'm highlighting on as a – let uh you know maybe for a taxi squad or maybe a late fourth round guy if i had thought someone else was high on them in our league and they were just trying to make sure i had them all right but yeah, i like those but as taxi i probably ideas. wouldn't uh, yeah but i would say the more thing is, is that i need to have them on my radar in case they got any type of buzz in camp if someone if like i know there's not gonna be like a necessary mini camps anymore yeah because of how those work but i normally they have the if they just flashed at all and they, you know, though, you know, there's late round guys all the time where we, you know, that we think in our heads, oh, he could do something if he ever got the opportunity. Well, if these guys ever yeah. got it, it'd be exciting. So that's kind of just guys that haven't had a lot of talk that I wanted to bring some light to because we could talk about, you know, people talk about people all the time. And I just want to bring some light to these guys. So I think what I'll do is um, I'm going to do three and I'll make them quick. Uh, so for a third round guy that I like, so a guy to take in the third who. Um, I would probably take in the early third, um, where a lot of guys might not put him that high, would be Lynn Bowden. Okay, I was about to say, if we're going to do three guys, he would have been my next guy. If guy yeah. no, I would have targeted. Yeah. I actually t- thought about him or KJ Hamler. That's how much I like him. Yeah, I like him I a thought lot. about him or KJ um, He's a guy that anywhere in the third round, I think he's totally worth taking a swing on. That guy literally switched to quarterback in the SEC and led the league in rushing. And it, he's just, he's an, a freak athlete a competitor that guy's a definition football player he's he's gonna find a way to be a contributor on a football team would, i would not be shocked not be shocked if he was a third round nfl draft pick would you be shocked no not at all um i mean that'd be, that'd be best case scenario actually probably, yes but. i would be um but i i wouldn't be shocked that he's worthy of that you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. he's totally worthy of that um 
so for my fourth round sweeper, uh, this is where my super flex head comes in. Uh, I wouldn't even think it's a terrible idea to put an, uh, an investment, depending on landing spot, into Anthony Gordon out of Florida, out of Washington State. Um, he was very, very good in that system. Yes, it's a very pass-heavy system, but a lot of people really like what he's been able to do with the ball. Very quick release, uh, puts you know can make all the NFL throws. If he ends up in a situation where he's backing up somebody who's not a great quarterback, he's not a bad guy to take in the, like in the fourth round, especially if a taxi. Totally a guy to put in there, you know. So um, I definitely think that outside of the big names like your Easons, your Fromes from like in the late the parts, I like Gordon at the end, and he's even a guy who could be a priority uh, pickup. So, um, but a guy that I really like that I do not think will get picked, but might and a be- guy that you do not want to talk about on this because we want to keep this one close to your vest, but you're going to do it for the sake of the listeners, right, Todd? I am. Um, Colin Johnson. Oh, I didn't think that. I, never mind. I thought you were going to say someone else. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, let, I'll, I'll say that one, too. Um, you know, I think Colin Johnson will go undrafted. Colin Johnson was a beast at, at Texas before he battled injuries. So if you have a taxi squad and he goes undrafted, do yourself a favor and get Colin Johnson on your team. Just go look up his numbers. Go look at his size. He looks like a guy that on paper should fit the NFL. So if you, can, if you have room on a taxi squad, it's not going to cost you nothing. Might as well make the move. Um, I just did an in-depth article on him today, Todd. I did write up Colin Johnson here. Interesting player, size kind of guy. Yep. He was had a lot of buzz. People were surprised he went back for his final season. Yep, I like that. And he's not. In, he, you don't hear him talked about it at all. Nope. I I actually had him in like the third round, and then like, you know, nobody talked about him. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could just not have to worry about that. Uh, and then I, I will say my last guy. So uh, a guy I would take in the third round is. Um, Dariton Evans I, I, out of Appalachian State. Uh, I actually just traded him in a Debbie League uh, for Zach, Zach Morris. So the guy who trade I, I got Morris and I traded him, and I almost didn't want to do it. Like, the guy literally convinced me into it, and I'm like, this guy knows what I know, and I feel like I made a bad trade. Like, that's how high I am on this kid. You know? Um, he's a complete back. He can make every kind of play you want on a football field. Phenomenal athlete. He's blowing people away in these interviews. Uh, he's literally met with almost every team in the NFL. He's a willingness to play the game. Um, if you watch his film, very shifty. Can catch the ball great after the catch. Darian uh, Darian uh, Evans, Appalachian. Darian Evans, however he's pronounced. Yeah, I like Todd. I like that pick. He's a guy that I think he, he has an Aaron Jones vibe. I don't think he's an Aaron Jones type player, but he has the excitement. In that type yeah. of the, in the spot in the draft where I'm like, oh, this guy could be good. Yeah, kind of like just how exactly how Aaron Jones was at when he in his draft class. Mine, he kind of comes a little bit like I think he's a little. I actually don't. Is he Austin Eckler? Is he like an Austin Eckler type? I don't. I don't know. Tom. That's that's kind of what I look at him as. I look at him as as, as an Austin Eckler type. Um, that's the kind of guy that I. He he's made for the NFL, man, and and and, and he's gonna be an overachiever. That I, I, I love him. I can't believe I just trade him. Some, <laughs> some names that we didn't talk about, Todd, that we probably could if we wanted to, yep. but we're not going to. Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, wide receiver. Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty, wide receiver. Yep. Uh, guys, we should have talked about Michael Pittman out of USC, wide receivers. Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, I believe, are all players that probably would have been Landing spots up big next for Vaughn. For, big for yeah. Vaughn. 
they were up next in you know coming up and yep. they were players that are at least worth talking or mentioning so i think that's it for me todd actually you know what my last piece of advice is if you can get an early third in your draft right now for cheap like you don't have to spend a lot it's worth the investment it's a deep draft because like oh. those third rounds do not cost you know what i mean in and wait and that's you could, yeah do it now or because it's probably going to cost a little bit more when the draft is actually happen happening but yeah exactly so dave you want to so. tell the people where to find you yeah, Todd. So this is a really busy week for both of us with uh, the drafts or the the live streams are coming up again. I think it's. Uh, I am also doing a very very in depth article. We're going to have about fifty five articles written on wide receivers that are going to be drafted in the NFL, like potentially drafted or go undrafted in the NFL, happening within fifteen minutes of their pick. Hopefully, me and Sean will be releasing that at Dynasty Football Factory, and yeah, and I will be on the. As I try to remember what it's going to be, but I will be on the. Uh, fantasy theory, fantasy football, sh- dynasty theory, fantasy football show with uh, John Bauer and crew at nine thirty on Thursday night for the NFL draft. Looking forward to it, Todd. What about you? I will be on a live stream with the IDP guys and the rest of the guys from the Dynasty Football Digest this Thursday for the draft. So check me out at my handle at ff underscore banterman to find that link and some interesting tweets. I've had some people recommend to follow me, so I recommend you do that as well. All right, Dave, I had a lot of fun. This one went long, but I mean, it was—it's it's draft season. We had a lot to talk about, and we just—I think we just like talking to each other, Todd. I miss you, buddy. I shall say, I miss Sean tonight. Hopefully, he's back with us next time. At ff underscore walrus, the man is busy. Check out his stuff. All right, everybody, enjoy the draft. I can't believe you didn't hype Lindbone. I think I can't believe I, I had something. I love I just, I was trying to, I was trying to be efficient, Todd. Trying to be efficient. David. Did.